Would you please remain standing and join me in reciting the Shema, which our Lord Jesus would have recited every day of his life. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Our scripture this morning is from the 24th chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, the story of the road to Emmaus. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days here? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. In November, my wife and I bought a house in, Mon- in uh, Alta Vista and have spent some time in the subsequent months uh, fixing it up, working on the foundation and now the kitchen. For those of you who have done work on a house, you know that you go home from work and then more work begins. And so one of the things we've taken to doing is taking walks after dinner as a way to unwind and stretch our legs. And there's a small park uh, about a mile from our house. And so we walk to the park and then we'll take a lap or two around the park, depending on 
how energetic we're feeling, and then we'll walk home. And one of the things we've discovered is a wonderful time to kind of wake our body up after dinner to kind of settle our stomachs, to unpack what has been going on from the day, to catch up. Um, but also we found this beautiful thing that it, it kind of opens up our minds. And as I was preparing for this morning's sermon, I found in my studies that many different people over the years have taken to this ritual of walking. Especially artists and great thinkers attribute many of their discoveries, many of their understandings, many of the ways that they unpack from their intensive work through this ritual and this habit of walking late in the day. The author by the name of Mason Curry wrote a book entitled Daily Rituals, How Artists Work. And he went through and unpacked the daily rituals of over a 100 different artists. And one of the trends that he discovers in his studies is this trend of the affinity of these artists for a walk late in the day. They stretch their legs and stretch their minds and unpack the important and deep work they've been doing. And one of the things they reflect on is that it allows them to expand on the work to get to a place where they can actually slow down and rest their minds. Scientists find that this act of walking, especially out in nature, is very helpful for not only the body but for the mind as well. It engages the mind at a low enough level like we would think of with white noise that our brain is engaged and then can do other activities to go into a state of rest. Uh, it's the same reality that scientists discover when trying to study a difficult math problem or something of the like. When they set the problem down for the day and then they go to bed and before their brain shuts off for the day, they're in that space where they're very relaxed and the, the solution comes to them in a moment's notice. It's the same reality they get the benefit from these evening walks. Dr. Mark Berman of the University of Michigan did a similar study years ago on the effect that nature has when we are out to engage it versus the busyness of most urban city centers that we live in. Dr. Berman sent students out on a walk before giving them an exam. Some students he sent through a nature-filled walk and some through a busy urban city center. And he noticed the difference in the studies afterwards The students who went through the nature walk were less stressed, more focused, and revealed more creativity after this walk. The study also reflected that the students didn't even have to enjoy the walk they were on. Being in Michigan, he did the study in the summer and in the winter, and he noted that even in the harsh winter of Michigan, the students reported the same benefits of being out in nature. A similar study I found in my research uncovered that Members of a hospital, local patients in the local hospital, recovered faster when they were exposed to nature. But it wasn't like the previous study where they had to be out and about and walking in it. As little as being able to see the trees in the courtyard, doctors found, led to patients being able to leave even sooner. I got concerned that many of our members, when in the hospital now, would insist for a room with a window. But there is this reality that we see all throughout life where we discover so much on the midst of the journey. This morning concludes our sermon series on the journey that we have been in with Lent. And it is fitting that today 
we end it with this important passage of many of Jesus' followers discovering who he is and where not, but on the road as they discuss what has happened. And this is oftentimes so much of where we find and experience God, but as the scriptures say, out on the way to something else. This morning I'd like to highlight for you a few things that we can reflect on from the passage of how God encounters us and how we encounter Him on the path. First and foremost, I'd like to highlight this reality that the disciples that encountered Jesus on the road to Emmaus are people of the text. They know the Scriptures. They've grown up in the Scriptures. They're likely more well-versed in the Scriptures than we are. And as Jesus comes alongside them to engage them in what they are discussing about what has happened to this whom they thought was the Messiah, we see Jesus highlighting who he is through the scriptures themselves. As our own David McNitsky highlights for us, many of the times when Jesus shows up on the scene, he speaks in scriptures. When God is explaining who he is, especially to God's people, he uses the scriptures themselves. So first of all, we need to be people of the text. Second of all, These are people that are on the journey. They are on the path. They're walking it out. They're seeking to live out this call. They're not just hearing about it and staying home, but they're out on the path seeking to discover it. So much of revelation comes in the walking out and the seeking to embody and live out what we have been called to. And these followers are seeking to live out the life of faith. So we need to be people on the path. Third, there is this reality that God always calls us to be in community. Think back to me with the creation narrative where God looks upon his creation at the end of every day, says it is good. And at the end of creating man, he looks upon Adam in his loneliness and isolation. And he said, it is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. And this has never changed. Notice the story begins in the setting of community. The twos leave from Jerusalem as they are with their community of believers and they reference back to Jesus what has been going on in Jerusalem in the context of community. Well, some of our women went to the, went to the garden this morning and found the tomb empty and angels appeared to them and Simon Peter and this happened and this and that. And there's this context in the rootedness of community. I think it's also worth noting that they are going out in twos which I like to think of as Jesus sending the disciples out in twos. I like to think that they're continuing on on this command and this call to go out in pairs, in community. And with this, we see them going back and forth. The community continues on as they invite Jesus back to their house. It says he went on like he was continuing down the road. But because of their urging, Jesus sticks around with them. And then how do they respond when they discover who Jesus is? But their first response, at once, the scripture says, they go back to Jerusalem and they share what they have learned with their community. And it is bringing these things together that brings greater depth to their revelation and understanding of who God is. We are called to be in a community of faith. Fourth. We are called to be in dialogue with God and one another. You see, the passage begins with these two folks on the path. 
and they're dialoguing at what has been going on in Jerusalem. Who is this God and what is the latest they are discovering with it? They are talking on the path. They're talking with one another and they're even open to discussing with a stranger. And then eventually they discover God himself. We are called to be in dialogue with God and with one another. And fifth and finally, and possibly even most importantly, they are open to learning and discovering more. As I like to think of it, they are open to being lifelong learners. As I reflect on the importance of this growth life and this journey we take together, I think the quality of being open to learn, to being teachable, might be one of the most important. For if we show up assuming that we have learned it all and know it all, we cannot grow. This might be the first and initial place to start. One of the mentors I read talks about how many people seek him out to debate him and come at him with many arguments. And one of the things he has learned to say at the beginning is, is there anything that I could say that may have you change your mind? And if the answer is no, he knows the person is closed off and he moves on without engaging them. Are we teachable? And with that, I would say a wonderful question is, who gives you feedback? Who in your life has permission to come alongside you and ask you questions or even point out things where you may be off or you have room or opportunity to grow? And as my mentors point out, it's so much easier to give people feedback when they have invited us into that space. Who are the people whom which you live close enough and trust enough that you have invited them to give feedback so that you might be able to learn and grow. In that same vein with being a lifelong learner and being teachable, there is the importance of asking good questions. Many of you have heard David's story where a Jewish scholar talks about how he was raised and when his mother would drop him off at school in the morning, she wouldn't say, be nice to others or play well with strangers, but she would encourage him to ask good questions. There's this reality we see in the scriptures so many times, and certainly this morning, where God engages us initially with a question. He loves to use questions. They invite us to interaction and relationship. They cause us to think. They invite us to a response. They show interest. And maybe even most importantly of all, they show us that we too get to play a part. So how are we a lifelong learner? How are we teachable and how do we ask good questions? Who do we invite to give us feedback? And then as a bonus one, I'll throw this in for free. I think the disciples of Jesus are open to being surprised. There is this reality that we see in the narrative after Easter that Jesus has risen and his disciples are shocked. And yet as we page move back through the pages of the gospel story, we see time and time again where Jesus has revealed ahead of time where he is going and how this will work. Sometimes they even insist that this is not the case. And then when it comes to pass, they are shocked as we are many times with the ways that God shows up in our world. 
be open to be surprised. Even though Jesus tells us what will come when it comes, it oftentimes, as David reminded us last week, is too good to be true. I'd remind you that these situations of encountering others, and especially God himself, is not binary in that we know him or we don't, but I think more relational and that we are always on the path and on the journey to knowing him more. Recently, I was at an anniversary celebration where the couple celebrated 50 years of marriage, not as much of the 60 years celebrated today. But they talked about how they were continuing to get to know one another even after 50 years of marriage and how much more with God himself, as there is always ways for us to grow Important, I think it's also to note that we are all unique and different and therefore engage God in different ways. So while we can learn from one another and each other's experiences, I think it is dangerous to compare ourselves to others and think that our interactions with God will be the same. In the same way that we have unique relationships with one another, even with our family members, each of our relationships and interactions with God will in some ways be unique to who we are and how God interacts with us. And then finally this morning, given that it is the Sunday after Easter, I kept referring back in my mind to the parable of the sower of the seeds. You're familiar with this parable where the sower sows seeds on different parts of soil and land and Jesus highlights what happens to the different seed and how it responds to the soil and its surroundings. And then the real learning comes after Jesus teaches when the disciples stick around long enough to hear from Jesus what he was actually talking about. I think it mirrors well the reality of this morning. After the big hoopla of Easter, Us who have come back this Sunday after that stick around again to hear from our Savior. And Jesus begins to unpack the reality of who he is and what he is talking about. And he has this interesting line where he says, To him who has more will be given in the context of revealing himself to us. Our God is a holy mystery and us engaging with him might be even more mysterious. But I can encourage you this morning that there is nothing that God loves more than to reveal himself to us. He loves to reveal himself through the text to guide us in walking it out in the context of community, in the midst of dialogue, as we're open to learn from one another and from him, and then as we're open to be surprised. As we reflect on this road to Emmaus scripture, I can only hope in anticipation the new ways in which God will continue to reveal himself as the living Christ to us in this season. Amen.